Welcome to Industry Focus, the podcast that dives into a different sector of the stock market every day. It's Friday, November 15th, and we're talking about the connected TV ad market. I'm your host, Dylan Lewis, and I've got Fool.com's Daniel Sparks with me on Skype. Daniel, what's going on, man? Nothing much. Just enjoying this nice weather. Uh, We had a storm a couple weeks ago. I remember uh, Lauren was wondering where Evan and I disappeared to. Uh, we were missing for a few days, I guess. And, you know, sometimes you forget these ge- geographical differences. You guys don't realize <laughs> that we could have ice all over the roads here in uh, November, early November, late October. So, what? Back to warm weather. We got our first signs of flurries here in the DC area this week as well. And so, it's coming. We know it's coming. Yeah. It's just a matter yeah, of they, time. <laughs> yeah, they must, they must be ready to shut down the whole city, huh? All the schools. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, at the slightest hint. As someone that grew up in the Northeast, you know, like I grew up in New Jersey, went to school in Boston, then moved down to DC. Yeah. The first time we got like an inch and a half of snow down here, I was like, God, are you serious? Like, like we're, we're, we're closing <laughs> yeah. schools, we're closing roads for this. All right, let's do yeah. it. <laughs> yeah. No such thing in Colorado, though, Daniel. Uh, the reason I'm having you on today is we are talking about the connected TV ad market, and you are someone who follows this very closely. We've got a couple big names in the space, some of them followed by a lot of fools already. We're going to get into it in a minute, but I think it's helpful to paint a picture of what this market looks like, because when people think digital ads, they tend to think Facebook and Alphabet's Google, that duopoly that has just run the table on digital ads over the last five to 10 years. The reality is there are kind of these smaller markets within digital ads, and the connected TV space is a increasingly growing one, uh, and one that people are paying much more attention to because some of the stocks we talk, we're going to talk about today have really put up some incredible returns for investors already, and it seems like the growth is going to continue. You look at some estimates for what is going on over in the connected TV market. eMarketer ballparks that there's almost $7 billion spent on connected TV ads in 2019. And that may sound like a lot, but it is only 3% of the total media ad spend. And it's supposed to grow over 20% year over year for the next few years. So, Daniel, big market here and a lot of runway, it seems. Definitely. Uh, I mean, traditional TV and uh, CTV combined, CTV connected, uh, meaning connected TV, you're looking at just over $70 billion. So, um, you know, and a, a huge portion of that is already shifted to the viewing time is already shifted. Uh, about 29% of viewing time is shifting over to streaming, but uh, those ad budgets are very slow to follow. So that's kind of where Roku, the Trade Desk, and Telaria, these companies we're going to look at today, come in. They all operate in slightly different spaces within connected TV, but I think what makes them so appealing both to marketers and investors is the fact that they are allowing for targeting and they are allowing for tracking in a way that conventional big brand TV ad spots simply don't. And it's kind of the natural evolution. It's the same that we've seen with general digital ad trends where, you know, if you were to put out a newspaper ad uh, 10 years ago, you'd have very little sense beyond just the core subscribers of that newspaper who was seeing that ad and what that influenced in terms of their buying decisions. We now know on a very granular level online activity, um, for better or worse, thanks to the data collection done by Google and Facebook. And I think we're starting to see a lot of the same stuff happening over in the connected TV market. Absolutely. Uh, Yeah, I mean, and these companies specifically, too, will boil it all the way down to uh, programmatic advertising. Uh, Believe it or not, 
uh, a lot of these digital marketing within video is still sold directly, uh, which is you know similar to the same way it was sold in newspapers, where there's kind of some big negotiations. But that's why Roku, the trade desk, and Telari are, are so hot because uh, using software um, and markets for these ads, uh, they're able to match the right buyers to the sellers at the right price. So the reason we are talking about these businesses is we have a fresh slate of earnings releases from them. Why don't we talk about Roku first, Daniel? All right. So yeah, Roku, um, big quarter for the company. Revenue was up 52% year over year, uh, surpassing their revenue guidance there. Uh, you got platform revenue up 79% year over year. Uh, so really more of the same for Roku uh, for the most part here. Uh, but of course, you know, we continue to have margin compression. Um, so that's something that we could take a further look at. Uh, going forward, we're going to want to make sure that uh, as long as gross profit is growing rapidly, uh, we can handle a little bit of gross, gross uh, margin compression. But uh, we want to make sure that in exchange for that compression, we're really seeing a huge jump in gross profit. Uh, so we're just going to break that down for a second, look at what's going on with that gross margin compression. And basically that boils down to, uh, in within platform revenue, Roku has, uh, you know, they have their subscription supported video platforms, which is like Netflix, you know, no ads there. And then they have their video advertising. Uh, video advertising is growing a lot faster than the revenue they're getting from subscriptions, but the, the advertising revenue is a lot lower margin. Uh, but that's okay. Investors can, you know, we can handle some gross margin compression as long as we're seeing huge, massive growth. And that's what we're seeing. That's why the platform revenue is up 79% year over year. It's primarily driven by video advertising. Uh, there was a, a more than a doubling of monetized ad impressions on the platform. So as long as we're seeing that sort of incredible growth on, on the platform revenue and, you know, pushing that gross profit higher, uh, we can handle some of that uh, platform compression. I mean, some of that platform gross margin compression. And it, it was a huge compression. It was down 800% year over year. So uh, definitely way narrower, but uh, you know, gross, gross profit is soaring. And, and I think it's worth bolding and underlining what is going on there on the ad side for Roku for a second. Because I remember doing the S1 show where we looked at the prospectus and broke down exactly what was going on with this business. And at that time, they hadn't really proven out this platform business. It was something that management talked about a lot, but at core, they were a hardware company that had an interesting but unproven platform revenue opportunity. You fast forward a year and a half, two years, and it's clear they have really made that happen, and they needed to. I think they recognized that the life of a hardware company is going to be pretty short-lived because you have all these deep-pocketed competitors when it comes to hardware. I mean, you can't talk about smart TVs without also talking about the fact that Amazon's in that space, Google's in that space, Apple's in that space. So for them to differentiate themselves, they need to be somewhat willing to compete on price and offer something really sticky with the platform. It seems like they've achieved that. Exactly. I mean, and, and again, that's why investors are so forgiving here to watch gross margin uh, continue to compress because they've really made this transition and gross profit since their IPO has just continued to soar um, as you know we've really seen them go from uh, a huge majority of the revenue uh, coming in from hardware now it's just a small fraction of revenue and you got 
the higher margin. So even though that segment is lower margin, it's still a higher margin segment, uh, much higher than hardware. You mentioned the dynamic between direct and programmatic advertising. I think it's worth diving into that and exploring it a little bit. For folks that may be unfamiliar, there are basically two ways that ads wind up appearing, whether it's on a website, uh, via these digital video channels, what have you. Either there are relationships that are directly brokered and sold, uh, and you'll hear that direct sold, or they are kind of programmatic, and that's much more of an auction-style approach to advertising. And as you might imagine, the more you are directly working with points of contact from these firms and from the people that are trying to sell these ads, the longer it takes to do these things. You, you know, it's much more of a hands-on approach, and the programmatic side is far more marketplace-oriented. And so, what you'll often see with a lot of these businesses, and this is what we saw with Snap when it first went public, was it was heavily reliant on direct sold. And those were great because they were able to really control the rates that were coming in from advertisers. But what it did was it limited the scope that they could have advertisers come onto the platform. And with programmatic, what you're able to do is open your marketplace up, make it a lot easier for people to hop on and spend advertising dollars. You lose a little control over what's going on with ad prices, but for that, you get scale. Exactly. So, you know, um, that's uh, in fact, Roku made an acquisition during the quarter of uh, DataZoo. Uh, which was a demand-side platform, uh, which was basically a very small version of the trade desk, but that was because they really believe in uh, programmatic. They acquire them for the tools, but they still want to be open to the internet. They're not trying to create this like walled garden thing. So really that acquisition was to open them up and be more available to this massive programmatic trend, which uh, you know can transition us over to the trade desk, uh, also benefiting from connected TV but also from uh, all the areas of programmatic advertising. Uh, so yeah, we could get into that. Yeah, let's talk Trade Desk. I mean, this is a heavily followed full stock. It's been a great performer for a lot of people, maybe not so much for folks that have owned the stock over the last couple months and are a little bit shorter in their holding period, but certainly a lot of fools eagerly watching the recent earnings release. Exactly. Uh, huge uh, Motley Fool stock. Uh, it's been really fun to watch You know the recommendations and this company do so well. Uh, like you said, obviously some pressure on the shares lately. Um, but yeah, so we look at this quarter. Again, big growth, but it is decelerating. Uh, revenue growth is down 38, up 38% year over year, uh, which is you know the lowest revenue growth rate since the company's IPO. Um, but I think that you know investors should look at that and um, you know kind of get some historical context. Back in 2017, uh, the trade desk finished up the quarter with a growth rate around 40%. Uh, but then you know in 2018, the full year revenue growth was 55%. So you know you don't want to just pin down that fourth quarter and really think that that's the way things are going to look here. Uh, Non-GAAP earnings per share were up 15%. Um, that also be analyst estimates. But, um, you know, again, we're looking at the big story here. Yeah, I think great businesses are capable of finding the ways to re-accelerate revenue growth over time. And sometimes it's a step change in how you're operating as a business. Sometimes you're able to get into a new space and unlock a whole new field of growth. I think what's reassuring here is, yes, there's a deceleration, but the tailwinds pushing this business continue to be pretty strong. Exactly. So, you know, the Trade Desk, uh, like I said, programmatic platform that caters to the entire internet. Uh, so, if you look across their channels, uh, desktop is 
probably on the decline. They don't, they're not breaking that out. Uh, the ad spend on its platform that's going toward desktop, but uh, generally that's not a growth tailwind here. Uh, but you know, mobile comes in at about half of revenue, and then you got mobile video ad spend in the quarter up 50% year over year. Uh, you got uh, mobile in-app up 48% year over year. These are really in line with uh, growth rates in the previous quarter, so not much of a deceleration there. Uh, then you got audio ad spend uh, up 160% year over year. Slight deceleration, but still massive uh, tailwind to this business. Obviously, it's way higher than the consolidated revenue growth that the trade desk is seeing. And then, of course, you, you have CTV, that, that connected TV ad spend up 145% year over year, which is actually almost in line with uh, the growth in ad spend we saw in the prior quarter, which uh, the trade desk said was above 150%. So as you look at all of that, um, you know, we have to assume that probably the pressure on that top line uh, came from desktop, but desktop is shrinking as a portion of revenue. So as these big, fast-growing items uh, grow as a percentage of revenue, uh, I, I don't expect to see that deceleration um, really play into the trade desk going forward. And in fact, uh, during the earnings call, Jeff Green, the CEO of the Trade Desk, super smart guy. Um, if you haven't listened to an earnings call, I'd really recommend you check it out because he uh, kind of has the beat on this market better than anyone else. But um, he spent a lot of time talking about 2020, about Q4 in 2020, um, and basically implied that there could be an, an acceleration in the company's revenue growth rate going forward. So that was really encouraging. Uh, he talked about throughout the quarter, throughout the third quarter, uh, the trade desk actually saw an acceleration in the new ad inventory coming onto its platform from Connected TV, and then the uptake uh, from its customers of that ad inventory coming from Connected TV. Uh, and he painted a, a really optimistic picture going the, into 2020 as we see C CTV grow to a larger portion of revenue. Daniel, the thing I love about this company is, you know, I was reminded of it as you were kind of going through all the different business segments. You mentioned desktop, you mentioned mobile, CTV, audio. That pretty much covers all the different ways that people are consuming content. You know, I, th I think about my daily yeah. routine, and you know, I am listening to a podcast on my way to work. Sometimes one of our Motley Fool podcasts, shameless plug. And you know, I am reading stuff online on my phone. I get to work. I'm on my desktop. I go home. I'm watching stuff on Hulu. You know, th there are all these different markets where um, I am regularly giving advertisers the opportunity to serve me ads, and they seem to be in pretty much every location that people are consuming content. So, so I am generally bullish on this company, if for no other reason than the tailwinds are there, and they seem to be playing in all the right spaces to enjoy the growth that's there. Yeah, I mean, and that's really part of the trade desk value proposition. Um, you know, marketers can come in, create a cross-channel campaign that just really, and they have all the data from all these channels uh, is super helpful. Um, also, the trade desk has a booming data business. Uh, and by really just having a huge grasp on the market, uh, then the trade desk has become ultimately by far the leader, uh, as, at least when it comes to being independent, uh, you know, and not trying to uh, push advertisers toward their own ad inventory, uh, like someone like Google or Facebook might have, because they don't have any ad inventory. They're just 
all they're there is to help the buyers and they say, here's the entire internet. Let me help you buy the best ad for the best price. Okay, so we mentioned Hulu, and that's a business that the Trade Desk works with. It's also a business that Talaria works with, and this is a company that some folks might know, but if you're not as familiar with the connected TV market, probably a business you haven't heard of before. Yeah, so you know, here we have another company, a different competitive advantage for a very different reason, uh, much smaller, but they've really honed in on that connected TV space. And then, unlike the Trade Desk, you know, they're not helping advertisers buy ads; they're helping the video publishers specifically sell their advertising inventory. Both companies focused on the programmatic uh, advertising space. So uh, it's just they're both on different sides of the equation. So, you know, Talaria is representing the seller. The Trade Desk is representing the buyer. Uh, but when it comes to connected TV uh, software platform that helps video publishers sell ads programmatically, uh, Talaria is pretty much the leader there. So a really exciting company. And of course, all three of these companies reported earnings in the same week. So we might as well cover a little bit of uh, Talaria here too. Yeah, some some strong results from this business. Um, people might look at the valuation for this company and be a little confused with 23% revenue growth and, and people generally being okay with that. But I think, to your point earlier about the business units and what is growing and how much of those results are being driven by those business units. Huge growth when it comes to connected TV, 115% year-over-year increase. And that's the thing that really has people excited with this company. Yeah. So, you know, we got 115% year-over-year growth in connected TV, which was uh, a big number. Obviously, that uh, revenue up 23% year-over-year was a slight deceleration, but really that boils down to um, just the video ads, the video publishers that are helping outside of connected TV, which comes down to desktop and mobile. Uh, likely the headwinds are primarily in desktop. Uh, so that's kind of what's going on there. But um, that's not their core business. It's not their bread and butter uh, management's goals, you know, keep that running, keep it, keep pushing it. But all of their investments, all of their inter- time and energy is all going into connected TV. Uh, which is where investors should want it to be. And we have connected TV revenue for Telaria is approaching 50% of revenue. Uh, so that's really exciting uh, and interesting time for investors. So similar to Roku, we have a situation where gross margins narrowed a little bit for Telaria in this most recent quarter. I think they went from about uh, 86% to about 79%. When you look at that, Daniel, is that something that's got you worried at all? Yeah. So. Um, it's something to look at, uh, but there's pretty clear explanations going on here. Uh, so in the summer of 2018, Talaria bought SlimCut, uh, which was has proved to be an incredible acquisition and very creative to the business. Uh, but basically, SlimCut, they brought in uh, and reinvigorated the non-CTV part of the business, uh, the mobile and desktop video. Uh, but the downside of this is even though you know they're getting more gross profit out of it because of this, uh, the gross that business operates at a lower gross margin than CTV does. Uh, so as we see this business kind of help out the non-CTV portion of Tulare's business and really grows a percentage of that non-CTV revenue, then we're seeing some pressure on the gross margin. But uh, really interesting during the earnings call, I'm, I'm not sure if they said this in previous earnings calls and I missed it. I think this is maybe the first time that 
broken it out, but management did say that the CTV business operates at an 88% gross profit margin. Uh, so obviously, as we see CTV cross over 50% of revenue, um, my guess is that gross margin is going to head back uh, in, a, in a better direction. When you have a business that puts up gross margins like that, you tend to have a lot of cash on hand, <laughs> Daniel, to work with. Yeah. And uh, Telaria is not a big company. I think they're about a $350 million market cap right now. For context, the trade desk is about a $10 billion business. But they have a ton of cash on the books for the size of the company. I think just over $60 million um, in free cash flow. And they're, they're sitting on a decent amount of cash with very little debt or no debt. What what's the plan with all of this? Yeah, so we're looking at sixty six million on on the balance sheet, no debt at all, uh, fifteen million dollars of free cash flow in the trailing twelve months. So yeah, really exciting as far as the cash there, and it's only going to improve. Um, so you know, and like you said, less than a four hundred million dollar market cap. Um, historically, Tulare is actually. Uh, announced a few repurchase programs, and I think that the board has done a really good job of uh, being strategic about those. Um, when the when the share price was much lower at the end of uh, 2017 or 2018, uh, they uh, they rolled out a 20 million dollar repurchase program, and just they executed that almost immediately. Uh, went through all twenty million dollars repurchasing shares, and you know I definitely like to see something like that again, especially when you look at the valuation. Telaria trading at just six times gross profit. Um, that compares. This is a pretty crazy comparison. Uh, you got twenty-two times gross profit for the trade desk and thirty-six times gross profit for Roku. Obviously, you know you could argue the trade desk and the Roku have better competitive positions, a larger, uh, more stable. Uh, and you know, in this most recent quarter, are growing faster with their consolidated revenue. But when you look at all these underlying catalysts, I think it would be really nice to see maybe repurchase program, uh, or you know, maybe at least bolt on some accretive acquisitions, kind of like that slim slim cut acquisition in 2018. Uh, so I think investors should really keep an eye out to see if management can deploy this cash and build shareholder value. When you're talking about how we are going to hit the point fairly soon, where connected TV winds up becoming a pretty big chunk, if not the biggest chunk, of revenue, and it's extremely high margin, do you see it possible uh, at some point in the near future for either revenue growth to accelerate or for the financials of this business to start looking a little bit different now that the bread and butter business for them, the one that they are most excited to grow, is becoming a much larger piece of the pie? Yeah, I mean it. It's definitely it's definitely on the way where revenue growth could accelerate. Uh, you know, this is a really seasonal business, increasingly so, uh, because as TV represents a larger portion of revenue, it's more seasonal. You know, in the summer, people aren't going to be watching tons of TV. Uh, it's really when this the kids get back in school, get back in those uh, those wintertime routines, all the new shows start coming out. That's when. Uh, TV starts ramping up. So as we go into the fourth quarter, you know we could see even more seasonality, which this time, you know, unlike the summer, could play into Telaria's favor, um, and we could see you know some big growth in connected TV and that rise to an even larger portion of revenue. And yeah, you look at 88% gross profit margin, um, and just the lucrative economics of this business. Uh, I think that it's just inevitable that um, 
the underlying fundamentals are really going to improve here. So definitely an exciting time. So we talked about three different businesses, and I think the beauty is you don't necessarily need to just buy one. You know, I look at I look at these companies and some of the other digital ad players out there. Um, I'm a shareholder of uh, Google, Facebook. I own Telaria, and I own the Trade Desk as well. And and I think that. The, all these companies benefit from the same tailwinds, um, and it's okay to kind of spread your bets a little bit and understand that there's a good chance that there's a lot of room for all these companies to play together. Um, I like the fact that Talari is small, uh, you know, a $350 million company. It's easy to project them out to being a billion dollar company at some point, a $2 billion company at some point way down the road. Um, the trade desk has already enjoyed some of that growth, but at $10 billion, it seems like there's a decent amount of room for them to grow too. Yeah, and just like we did on this podcast, it's a great way for investors to cross-learn by, you know, you listen to the Trade Desk earnings call, you might hear them talk about Hulu, uh, you list, which might apply to Telaria on that sell side. Uh, you listen to Roku, and he's giving, you know, perspective on the broader market uh, and competition. So that's another really exciting thing about investing, and uh, hopefully we're able to do that here and really uh, spread the, spread out um from different look at the look at one industry from very different angles. I'm always happy to have you on to do that, Daniel. Thanks for hopping on today's show. Yeah, no problem. Thank you. Listeners, that's going to do it for this episode of Industry Focus. If you have any questions or you want to reach out and say hey, shoot us an email over at industryfocus@fool.com or you can tweet us at mfindustryfocus. If you want more stuff, subscribe on iTunes or you can catch videos from the podcast over on YouTube. As always, people in the program may own companies discussed on the show, and The Motley Fool may have formal recommendations for or against stocks mentioned, so don't buy or sell anything based solely on what you hear. Thanks to Austin Morgan for all his work behind the glass today. For Dan Sparks, I'm Dylan Lewis. Thanks for listening, and Fool on! Fool on!